So, Michelle. So, David. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of exhausted and it's just been a week. I know. I, but, like, what, why are you so tired? You Bridges really blowing anything. up. I mean, oh, okay. I, I had a great holiday. I <laughs> yeah. went away for it. You know, I was going to say. Hung over the edge of a 60-storey building watching a Formula One race. I mean, that's what I call a holiday. Right. And then, of course, there were the black-eyed peas over the other side yes. of the bay, pumping away while my I'm wife I'm surprised you even know who they are, but Sat funny. there drinking Singapore slings. We actually got, we were offered tickets, but my wife went, I don't like crowds. And I went... Oh, no, I would have gone. I'm sure you would have because yeah. you're, you're young and vibrant where my wife and I are sort of more stayed. You know we're not that much we're just lazy. different in age. I know that, <laughs> I'm just very lazy. Yeah. Um, and why go and stand in a sweaty group of people when I can hang off the edge of a massive swimming pool and drink Singapore's links? That's I mean, true. It's true. Anyway. This is um, true. But. Okay. Breaches blowing up. Yes. Um, missiles flying into the Ukraine. Well, they're drone missiles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, but you know where they're getting their drones from? Oh, wow. Uh, they're getting them from Iran. Oh. The Islamic Republic of Iran. I know. That cosy little place of 80 plus million people down on the Persian Gulf. And you know what? There's a little bit of action going on in there, and we've spoken a lot about Russia. Let's we have. I mean, how many times can you talk about Vladimir Putin in his mind? All the time. Yep. But we need to make a break, and today's the break. We're going to look at what's going on in Iran. I can't wait to unpack this one. You're listening to I Spied, the hijab of Australian intelligence. So I just wrap it over the top. Okay. And then around here. Yep. And then over the top. I can't breathe. Do I look beautiful in this? Yes, I can't see your face. <laughs> That's why I wear it. You're listening to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And today we're going to tuck into Iran because there's a lot going on here at yeah. the moment. Particularly, we've got the protests. The the protests that all stemmed from the death of Masa Amini. Yeah, Masa Amini, who was a 22-year-old. Um, she was a Kurdish woman yep. and she was visiting the city. Went to Tehran for a holiday. Yeah. A lot like I just did to Singapore. Yes, was detained by the morality police. Now, the morality police, also known, well, in Saudi Arabia, they're known as the Matawas. Yeah, the Matawas. I, th- I think that's the same name in Iran, yes? No, if no. it's Saudi Arabia, that's the last thing they're going to call themselves. Because okay. <laughs> Iran and Saudi Arabia, are they, and we'll, we'll get into yeah. why, but yeah. they're, they're not good friends. So anyway, you've got the morality police. Yep. They didn't like the way her hijab was she on. She was they, wearing a loose hijab. Yeah, apparently it wasn't tight enough. No. They saw a bit of hair. They oh. detained her. Oh, my God, they, they saw hair. I know. And uh, so they detained her. Um, according to the morality police, she entered a construction site and the construction workers threw her off the building. Oh, really? Because that's, no. <laughs> Sounds familiar. That's, that's not right. Did she work no, in the No, that's not industry? what they said. That's yes, not what they said. No, it is. No, they said she she went in and had a heart attack and fell on the floor and then they did a reenactment. And then here's the interesting thing. When the injuries came out from the post-mortem <laughs> of blunt force trauma yes, all over her body. which we all knew. They said, oh, well, when she left, she went to a construction site and the construction workers threw her off. The because they even went to the very long lengths yeah. of having someone pretend to be Masa. Well, they said it's Masa, yeah. even though it wasn't. No. And you see her walking across to one of the Morali police in the detention centre, holding her head. And oh, then she, she did collapses. the whole Victorian. Yes. Oh, I, feel, I have the papers. I'm <laughs> And faint. then she collapses, and then you've got people um, rushing in and getting rid of her. Rushing now, in with nightsticks yeah, until yeah. someone went, No, Ahmed, no. Oh, oh, sorry. I'll pick her up. Yes. And then hit her. But no. the other women who were 
were with her and yep. a lot of them were on the transportation with her said that it happened on the transportation to the detention centre oh. that she was beaten. She got a bit mouthy probably and they gave her the stick. Well, and she was also a 22-year-old going, why am I here? What is going on? I do not understand. She's probably freaking out. You don't like my hair? Yeah, and she's she's a Kurdish, uh, yeah. she was a Kurdish she's citizen. She's from a little country, so, little country town. Little country town up in the north of Iraq. Yeah, just Iran. got a new job, was like excited about earning money to go to university. Going to go out and buy herself a new pair of shoes or maybe a new yeah. hijab. So she was loosening the old hijab. Who knows, right? We can make light of this. The problem is it has blown the country into massive bits. It has. And the reason why people are saying this is because, you know, women for a very long time have been held under the thumb of the morality police mm-hmm. and also the strict laws that surround them. They claim that the particularly the strict hijab law is there to um, kind of keep them down, basically. Yeah, it's to repress them. Now, let's have a quick look yes. at how we got here. Yes. And we go back 6,000 years. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's how far you've got to go back. Because okay. Iran, Persia, in, in, in essence, is kind of like one of the oldest civilizations on the planet. It was. And it also was the birthplace of a lot of amazing things that we have today. A lot of technical, yes. uh, cultural, mathematics. You mathematics, know, medicine. You know, all that sort of yep. stuff was coming out of there. Now, the whole thing is once Islam came in, Muhammad has landed. Yep. He is spreading the word landed. of Islam. <laughs> um, landed from where? Well, you know, he, he arrived. <laughs> okay. um, he, uh, where, where was he? Was he above Mecca or Medina? I can't remember yeah. the actual story, but let's not get into the technicality of that. The problem was once he died, they needed to replace him. They needed a new leader of the Islamic faith, yeah. and it was a fight. Uh, of course, there was a battle between two, and basically what it did is it split Islam into two sects. There are more sects. There's Sufis and there's Wahhabis, yep. and we'll talk about the Wahhabis as well. But basically it split into Sunnis, yep. which is Saudi Arabia and most of Iraq, and the Shiites or the Shia, which is Iran and a bit of Iraq. Right. So the problem is the Shias and the Sunnis don't get on. If you A great way of looking at it, I think, is you look at the Middle East as like being Ireland with camels, all right? Northern Ireland with camels. You've got the Catholics and the Protestants. They're yep. basically the same religion. They yep. just don't get on with each other. Yeah. Because a, a lot of a lot of the laws and a lot of the religious things that they follow yep. are the same. Yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, they're all from the book of they're all yeah. basically Quran. Judaic. Well, they're Judaic religions. Yeah. They're like the the Old Testament, the Torah, and the Quran are all based on the same book. I know. Do not tell anyone who's Muslim how close their religion is to Judaism. Judaism. <laughs> that's a really quick, that's that's you, someone's going to spit in your kebab if you yeah, say that. Yeah, to them. Yeah. Now the whole thing was. Iran's gone through a lot of At some points it's been a massive empire. At other points it's been a vassal state. Mm. Interestingly enough, the 20th century is the real big turning point for Iran in that it wound up basically being under the rule of BP, right. British Petroleum, right? The Brits, the Anglos and the French realised there's a lot of oil down there at the in the first half of the 20th century and went, we want it. Mm. So they basically established a rule over it until the 50s when Mossadegh, uh, who became president or prime minister, I believe, because there was still a royal family. Mossadegh became prime minister and decided, I'm going to nationalise the oil industry. Well, in walks one of our old friends. We had him on last week, the CIA. The CIA came in. They're always there to fuck it up. They are. They do. It's like, yeah. And this is one of the biggest examples of Chalmers Johnson's blowback. Yeah. Right? Basically what happened, they had a, a coup that established the Pahlavi regime, the Shah of Iran, mm. who was a guy who lived the life of luxury while his people starved until 1979 when they had the Islamic Revolution. The Ayatollah Ruhollah, 
Khomeini took over. Yeah. They had the Iran-Iraq war, which, again, that's another thing that's already thrown it out, out the window. 89, Khomeini died, and Ayatollah Ali Khomeini took over. And he is now, he is still the current supreme leader of Iran. Yeah. Well, I love that they're, they, they're called supreme leaders. We should say as well, um, what I found interesting, the Islamic Republic, when it went through its inception in 1979, what we saw was a huge portion of the Islamic population and the Persians leaving. Yeah. They went to America. Yep. They decided this wasn't for them. Yep. And what people are saying, what's interesting now is... Um, particularly with the protests, we've got a younger generation who, instead of leaving, are saying, no, this is my country I'm and gonna I, stay. I'm going to stay and fight. Now, there's a really interesting reason for that. And here's where we go. We're going a little, little bit statistical. The population of Iran in 1950 was 16 million. Wow, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. The population today is 83 million. How the fuck did they do that? Well, you know, when a man and a woman love each other it, very much. I get much, it, I get it, I get it. Be, well, a lot of men and a lot of women loved each other very, very much. Or people just stopped fleeing. Now, here's, well, hey, people couldn't flee. You can't exactly flee an authoritarian regime in a lot of cases. Yeah. But the other thing that's really important to remember is the Iran-Iraq war. Now, that happened literally the year after the Islamic Revolution. Saddam yeah. Hussein went, great, I'm going to take that. Yeah. Only he's really shit at – he was really shit at war. I yes. think we figured that out. He wasn't very good at anything, really. To the point where the Iranians went, well, we're going to counter-invade. Yeah. Now, the difference was it literally was World War One all over again. It was trenches in the desert. And mm. the, the Iranians were basically sending human waves over. Now – one of the interesting things about the Shia sect in Islam is the idea of martyrdom. Mm. Being a martyr is the best thing you can do. Oh, yeah. I'm going to strap a bomb to myself and I'm going to take out as many people as possible yep. and I'm going to heaven. Now, in the Iran-Iraq war, they basically turned around and said, if you become a martyr, you not only do you go to heaven and get your 72 virgins, yeah. or if you actually look at the actual language, <laughs> it could also be mean raisins, which means you get to heaven and they just give you a box of sultanas. <laughs> you go, what the hell? I mean, that's really disappointing. That, that really, that might, wouldn't that be a bummer? You've just yeah. taken out a regiment yeah, of people I with know. a bomb strapped to you and they go, here's some sultanas. And you're like, damn, I never, ever had sex. <laughs> there's nothing else in my lunchbox. What the hell? I stayed a virgin for this? Yeah. Right. So there's that one. Mm. So they basically had these waves waves of people killing themselves because right. your family would get looked after. It was actually regarded as having a martyr in your family made you socially mobile. You could climb the ladder. Which is just incredible. But also, I mean, it's, there's not much difference between that and like what happens with any war. Yeah. Except the families get nothing. There's a reason why you have young men in wars, not old men in wars. Because old men like me would go, are you kidding? I'm not yeah. going to do that. Where young men, that. you go, guys, this is a big queen country. Or, you know, or for, for Allah or for whichever God you... Well, also, that's because their synapses aren't completely that's connected. correct. <laughs> 25 years until your palate is engaged and yeah. once your palate is fully engaged, your brain is pretty much fully developed. Anyway, um, the whole thing with this is, and this is what's really fascinating, is they lost anywhere between 500 to a million people. Okay. That's a lot of people in eight years. And That's they, a lot of people. And they went, let's have a breeding program and try to make that up. So in the space, literally from mm. 79 to 2022, mm. so 1979 to 2022, they almost doubled their population, if not slightly more than doubled Remember their population. Remember when Australia tried to do that? <laughs> yeah. Have one for, your, one for yourself, one for your wife and one for the country. I know. Peter Costello, the least sexy yes, person and ever. then we did the the paying for the, if you have a baby, you get money. Oh, baby bonus, the which baby we, bonus. we missed both of those. God, that's so I know. I missed get, it as well. Didn't get a penny for our kids. No. But here's the but thing. But I'm paying for it. That has caused what's called the youth bulge. Yeah. Around about 38 to 40%. 
of Iranian uh, the Iranian population is under the age of 25. Which you've got to think is doing awful things for them right now. Not only that. Uh, for the regime particularly, that's yeah, what I mean. Particularly, yeah. but also the other thing that's a real, and again, this all plays into all of these demonstrations, mm. these protests that are happening, is every year approximately eight to 900,000 people enter the labour market. That's wow. You've got to create nearly a million jobs every year just to keep your own population engaged, right? So there's real economic problems. Mm. There's massive social issues. And to cap it all off, and this is what makes it really exciting, is Ayatollah Ali Khamenei is 83 years old and is almost constantly sick. So he's about to kick the bucket. And, 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 you know, what they were saying is with these current protests, they're not just protesting the end of the hijab mm-hmm. and those strict laws around it. They're now calling for the Ayatollah to step down. Death yeah. to the dictator is what's yes. been cried in the streets. Now, this is a really, really massive problem, all right? It is one of the preeminent powers of the Persian Gulf. Yep. And they are not backwards in coming forward. They're involved in Syria. Syria was the only country they believed that looked after them during the Iran-Iraq war. Mm. America started being siding with them. Well, they had the Iran-Contra deal, so they were selling weapons to Iran to pay for the drug war down in El Salvador. Yep. You know, it's just that whole Ollie North thing gets very complicated. But essentially what happened was you've got the great Satan in the United States, and they still there is still that to this day. They still loathe the Americans, but they also hate the Saudis. Because yep. Saudis are Sunni. Wahhabi is a sect of the Sunni yep. side. They're Shiites. They do not like each other. They hate each other. So you'll find that not only are they working in Lebanon with the Hezbollah, they're not only working in Syria with the Syrian government, they're also well and truly ensconced in with the Houthis down in Yemen. Right. So the whole thing is... If we get a destabilised Iran, Mm. God only knows what's going to happen in the Middle East. And it's already a powder keg. So the big problem we've got is not only do we have this division and instability in the country, not only do we have the fact that very soon, I reckon in the next year or so, the Ayatollah is going to fall and then there's going to be the battle to replace him. But there's a real problem in the fact that the hardliners, the Ayatollahs, the clerics, the imams, Mm. they basically control every arm of government. So they can't actually turn around and blame anyone for the problem because they're the guys that have caused it. Well, I'm sure they will find someone to blame, of course. Well, I they mean- have. <laughs> they, they've already done it. It's the women. They've it's inv- the women. No, no, no. They've invaded Kurds. The Kurds up in – they've attacked the Kurds right. up in northern Iraq because they believe it's a Kurdish plot. Well, it's the Kurds being used as a proxy by the United States Makes to sense. stir dissent. Yes, they have been saying that. Now, I think what – the differences and what is interesting now in in terms of the protests yeah. and why we haven't seen this before. Once again, what we said earlier was age. Yeah. Age has really come into play here, but also, you know, social media. The regime can no longer control the narrative. So social media has a huge influence and yes. people are able to have access to what is going on around the world, what is going on in their own backyard, and no longer is that controlled, which is kind of similar to what we talked about with Russia. Yeah. Now, what the Iranian regime have done is they basically turned around and said, right, let's shut down the internet. They have. They've, they've been, down they've the been trying to shut down the internet, but the problem they've got is smartphone. And interesting, I was reading yeah. in an interview with a woman who's been going out to the protests. She would just go out into the street and walk around until she found one. Right. Like she couldn't find anything on social media because obviously everything has been clamped down. But once she got into the protest, yes. there were intranets within, you know, via phones. So they were using the smartphones to link into each other without, so using probably wireless. Probably Bluetoothing. Bluetoothing and using wireless yeah. rather than using 
the internet. Incredible. Right. So they're doing that. And that was one of the things that uh, there's a group in Norway that's, uh, funnily enough, uh, a group in Norway, and Norway always seems to be very heavily involved in the Yes, they are. In a human rights, um, you know, human welfare uh, scenario, these guys have basically said that according to the regime, 54 people have died during this protest. Uh, that no. was No, that was two weeks ago was the last no, announcement no, no. from the so government. I've got... Well, what have you got? I've got so at least 185 people, including 19 children, have been killed by security forces since the protests erupted. But is that the government number, or is that uh, that's according to Iran Human Rights? Oh, right, which Iran- is the Norway based. The Norway based, right? That's the Norway based group. The government has said only 54 people or 48 people have died. And they said they're all security forces, but they haven't said anything in two weeks. So obviously, then they're not controlling the narrative, so they're just not going to speak. Yeah, and because they're not speaking, the narrative is now coming from. From information that's suffusing out of the country, yep. probably via places like um, northern Iraq and the Kurds up there. Probably also the Saudis would definitely be having their guys well and truly. Well, this is, this would be like where WhatsApp things WhatsApp would come into play. Definitely, mm. like WhatsApp kind of is the messaging service of the revolution. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's what most most young people use in order to disseminate information and to keep in touch. Now, interestingly enough, when you said that this doesn't happen, this hasn't happened before. It has. One of the things that's really common in Iran, which sounds weird because it's an authoritarian regime. I meant I meant it hasn't happened to this scale before. Oh, yes, it has. With the young people mm. With the 2019 Green Spring protests. Now, what happened with that? And it's again, it comes down to this whole idea of martyrdom. If you die, there are 40 days of mourning. Yep. Everyone mourns for 40 days. So somebody gets killed in a protest, everything stops for 40 days while everyone mourns. At the end of this, when they're buried, people will cut their hair above the coffin, which, interestingly enough, that's now happening with these protests. Women are cutting their hair Mm. in the street. They're not only just taking their hijab off, they're cutting their hair. As one woman said, if my hair is the problem, have it. Mm. Right, and there are a lot of famous Iranian celebrities and sports people that are doing the same thing. Of course, they're not in Iran at the time, but they're doing it in support. Now, interestingly enough, one of the things, if you're a martyr, you cut, you know, if a martyr dies, you cut your hair over the the mm. grave of the martyr. So that's another thing that's going on now with the Green Spring. What would happen is every forty days, the protests would kick off because the person, the end of the morning would happen. The protests would start again. Mm. Someone would get killed. 40 days it shuts down. And what basically happened with the Green Spring Revolution or the Green Spring protests was eventually the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, which is the key military element in that country, basically got their hands on all the leaders and put them in prison or walked them off to heaven to meet their 72 virgins. (laughs) I don't know. Or get their box of sultanas. So the whole thing is it's common for protests to happen, but it's always local. So we're unhappy about teachers' pay, so we're going to have a protest. Where we don't like what happened to our superannuation. There was a scam where they changed the superannuation scheme or the pension scheme Mm. in Iran, and basically everyone lost their money. So people would protest that, everyone would get the protest out of their skin, and then they go back to work. What the difference is here now is there are now major chunks of their industry that are stepping down. The oil industry yeah, the have oil just gone industry on strike. Have. And uh, what we've seen as well, it's not just the women. What's I mean, it started as a female-led protest and now we're seeing lots of men kind yeah. of getting involved. Yeah, and there's also there's rumours of military personnel that are joining the, the protest. Whether that's true or not, whether that's hyperbole from the protest side, again, it's because of the internet blackout 
going in and out of Iran, it's very difficult to get clear information, even open source intelligence being limited. And what we are seeing are small grabs of video. We're not seeing long passages of it. There was a great article in the New York Times where they basically said what we're learning from the video is how limited their ability to communicate actually is mm. because we're only getting you know 15-second, 30-second grabs of protest rather than this is the demonstration, here's a day of it. But I think what we're seeing here is a turning point in Iranian history and um, a turning point for the country and its future. Totally agree with that. Okay. Uh, now, <laughs> the big problem we've got with that is... Where to next? Where to next, right? Yeah. Khomeini is on his last legs. Mm. There is going to be the there will be ayatollahs jockeying for position. A lot of people are saying that it's highly likely that it's probably going to be the new president, Ibrahim Raisa, who is an extremely hardline cleric. See, this is the other thing. Every major position in the country, in the government, is held by a cleric. Yeah. And at the moment, they're all hardline. The last president was more of a moderate. And they got rid of him because he was too moderate. And before that, there was Ahmadinejad. Why do I always feel like it's Ahmadinejad? Because I told Did you. Did you say that? I said that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the joke I put in one of the um, the briefings yeah. I write at Asia. <laughs> now you know, I hear yeah, it all the time. No Ahmadinejad required. The thing about him was he was the white reason that the 2019 protest came into being because he won the election with like 98% approval rating, which is just it, like the entire country went. It's not mathematically just correct. No, just <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. I'll wear the hijab, but just no. It sounds like the same. They were using the same counting people as Putin. I believe in, it in was Crimea yeah. and in in the yeah. five Crosby um, texter. Yeah, uh, right. They were using the same guys. Yeah, know. yeah. yeah. Uh, now the interesting thing again as well is. Iran's isolated. It's exceptionally isolated as well. I mean, they've got the Syrians, they've got the Houthis in Yemen, and they've got the Russians. North Korea, China would probably help them out. But if you look at the weaponry they're carrying as well, so if they went into a war, all they've got is bodies, mm. right? And well, admittedly, they've got a lot of bodies. They're the 17th largest country in the world. That's big. Their standing army is exceeds millions, mm. right? And everybody, every you know, man of reasonable age Has must serve 21 yeah. months. 21 months? Yeah, so nearly two years. Yeah. Right, which is better than the Russians where you get the 12 and then you, you go home. But the problem is a lot of their equipment, they're still using the same stuff they were using in the Iran-Iraq war back right. in the 80s, right? So their tanks are still old. They're building T-72 tanks, which are Russian-designed and weren't very good. They're still flying, you know, S-4s. They're, they're, I think their most advanced fighter jet is either the SU-22 or mm. like a really low-grade or F-14s, yep. which are good planes, but you put it up against a fifth-generation fighter, it's dead, mate. It's yep. gone, right? It's yep. just it, – it basically, it's target practice. And they've been spending a ton of money on their weaponry, right? So the problem is we've got a state that's divided and kind of unstable and they've got a population – there's a lot of civil unrest in the country – it's not going to end well. And what's interesting to me is, you know, originally women weren't so angry about the Ayatollah or any of the regime. No. What they've constantly been upset about is the the lengths that the morality police go to and also the laws that are enacted against them, which are quite strict and stringent. Like yeah. women need to ask permission to do anything, yep. to get a passport, to have a job, to go to school, like mm -hmm. from a man. Yep. So a woman is worth 
half a male. Yeah, so if you have a male witness in a case, you've yes. got to have two, two female wi- witnesses yes. to counter that. At least two witnesses, and even then, probably not. No, exactly. So um, it's just, and you know, if if they want a divorce, um, they don't get the children. The men get the children. Yep. So there's a lot of stuff going on here, and I think what we're seeing is a lot of women now going, you know what, fuck this. Now, the interesting thing as well, it comes back to this new pre- president, uh, Raisha, who came in last year. So I think he's I think he's been in power for about two years. The thing with Racer is he really he really clamped down and got the morality police out on the street. They actually upped their their work ethic. So the whole idea is what's happened is you've got this country that's really, really, really groaning under this mm. authoritarian state, which is, by the way, inherently corrupt. Right? The of course. corruption in the place. Like put it this way, uh, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps went in with Trump to build a hotel in Tajikistan and it is I don't know if you I'll, I'll post a photo of it if I can find it it is honest to god it was um it was one of Ivanka's projects gross it is just the most revolting hotel as bad as her shoes essentially well essentially it sits in the middle of two off ramps mm. to a three way it's just there's no way to access it there's no view it's just basically the trumps went we want to build a hotel over here because we get money from that government but Iran, do you want to help us out? And so, again, the Trumps built a, a hotel for nothing mm. and it's worth nothing and they basically ripped off these guys. You know, Iran, they ripped off Tajikistan. But the whole thing is it's like it's they're a corrupt regime. Yeah. You know, power corrupts, ultimate power corrupts, absolutely. Oh, but absolutely you know power. what? I, I think what government's not corrupt these days? <laughs> I'm like you'd be hard-pressed to find a government that isn't corrupt in some way. I Let mean, me think. Hey, no, hang on. No, I don't. <laughs> New Zealand? No. Um, I mean, of course, of course, these countries yeah. are, are corrupt beyond, like to to the extent yeah. where it actually hurts their population. Well, the interesting thing is the the nineteen seventy nine revolution was to overthrow an autocratic or authoritarian mm. regime that was stealing the country's money. Yeah, and it's been replaced by an authoritarian regime of course. that is stealing the country's money. And I think that that's what's going to continue to happen. I think what we need to make sure doesn't happen is America get involved. Because well, whenever they get involved, they fuck it right uh, up. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was about to say when you said we need America to get involved. No, I like, no, 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 I said no, no. we don't need to we get America. We just did that and it no, didn't work. But like, we just don't need America to get involved, particularly in the Middle East, particularly in these countries. We need to let them sort it out themselves. Yeah. And it but, seems to me they are sorting it out themselves. Uh, yeah, in well, a way. Uh, well, when you look at what's going on in Yemen and you look at what's going on like on the border of Iran and Iraq, because Iran's unstable to a point, but it's still a functioning government. But Iraq is just a mess. And the thing is, Iran Mm. are looking at Iraq going, oh, we can take a piece of that. I mean, one of the things that happened with Iraq was the entire entire southern side of it, like there was the no-fly zone over the southern. That was to protect the Shias that were living in the the swamplands Mm. down around the the delta of the Tigris and the Euphrates, right? The problem was... thing is, because of that no-fly zone, the Iranians were able to get in there with their intelligence yeah. assets and really start working the problem. Their intelligence services were operating against the Saddam regime, and in doing that, they've completely destabilised the area, right? So this is the problem we've got going on, is again, there is sectarian violence mm. between religions. There's governments that are, because of their religious bends, they're two very strong, Saudi Arabia and Iran, two very strongly religious countries that 
follow the same God, they just don't follow him exactly the same way. Mm. And because of that, they cannot see eye to eye. I mean, politically, of course, there is the thing that Saudi Arabia has oil and Iran have oil, and they both want to be the preeminent power in the region. And because of that, I don't think it's going to clean itself up. Because also when you throw that little tick in the side of the Middle East on the Levant called Israel, that just throws everyone's hat into I, the surf. I just think we just can't get involved. I think if we're going to get involved in anything, it should be Ukraine. But, like, let's not get involved in anything ever again. Yeah. Um, I do... <laughs> no, because it just it ends up worse. Oh, of course. Like, it ends up worse. Like, blowback is an actual thing. Oh, yeah. It kills way more people. Yeah. And it just ends up worse. It, Sometimes the regimes that we change end up being worse than the regimes that were there previously. Testify. So, <laughs> let's not do it again. I am the choir. <laughs> <laughs> and I should say... If you are interested in a lot of their stuff, there's a really good show on Apple TV called yep. Tehran. I, I didn't know about it's it. It's really, really good. Second season has Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a lot about the particularly um, Israel and Iran and yep. the, the pressure cooker that is going on there and how their secret services kind of... Oh, look, the Secret Service Keep are, messing with each other. They're definitely involved. There's a lot of action going on over there. The thing that we've got to keep in mind, though, and it's the most important thing, is we look at places like Iran and Saudi Arabia and all of these, North Korea and Russia, we look at all of these things through the prism of our own society. 100%. You right? can't. And we can't do that. No. They don't. It's, it's not that they don't think the way we do. We all think the same. We're all human. We all have our, our needs and wants and desires. But the whole thing is their societal... Prism is different to ours. Yes, they I've look s- at the world differently. One hundred percent. And I've said this before because my parents lived in Saudi Arabia. I've been to Saudi Arabia. I um, have spent a lot of time there. Yeah. And what people fail to understand is, you know, the English came, discovered oil, and the, these people were nomadic tribespeople. And we're talking like in the fifties and sixties. Like oh, yeah. they were nomadic tribespeople. All of a sudden, the English go, "We've got oil. We'd like to give you money." And they're like, "What's money? What's going on outside of you know this world that we live in?" Yeah. And then they're just thrust into this world without going through what the rest of the world has gone through, and like go through the industrial revolution, yeah. go through like all of the stages of building your civilization. So they've gone from nomadic tribespeople to people with money, and that's why sometimes. Things happen. Yeah, without context, you really would yes. struggle with sudden modernization. Yes. I remember when I was in Doha, I was walking through the old part of the city, and there's a Bedouin sitting there with his camel mm. in the middle of a roundabout in just outside one of the souks. Yeah. I remember sort of like looking at this guy, and he's got this one of those very long rifles and, you know, yeah. almost a flintlock type thing. And I'm just like looking at him going, damn, that's just a blast from the past. And Qatari policeman walked up to me and just went, uh, is everything okay? And I went, uh, is, is this meant to be going on? And he just went, he, he goes where he wants. This yeah. is what he does. He's he's, he's better one. We, d- we don't mess with the better yeah. And it's like, he just went, I'm going to stop my camel right here. I don't care if it's in the middle of the street, deal with it. Right? So there is still that, you know, there's those very traditional people, and this is the same in Iran. It's the, uh, it's the same when you look at, you know, a Quaker. They're very traditional. They, they are, adhere to their ways. Yeah. And you cannot physically or, you know, spiritually, mentally, intellectually drag someone from that position and say, this is where you now live. No, and like when I went to Jitter, like my parents sent me in a buyer. So like as soon as I got off the plane, like I was, I made sure I was covering up. There were moments where, you know, the religious police told my mum that she wasn't covered enough. My mum in true mother form 
kind of told them where to go. But like in <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I know. I I'm like, can you not do yeah, that right do now? That. But um, it's it's uh, my But like, is- you know, and they still have Chop Chop Square where people get beheaded yeah. daily, where you know you lose an arm for stealing. They still have these things yeah. that go on. And look, this is a, again, this is the thing my wife and I've had a discussion because she said I would never go to a, one of those places they can't force me to do that. And I was like, well actually they can. It's their country. Yes. Right. And look, I I had no issue with it. No. And it, you know, it was it was a beautiful country. It was an interesting country. I don't know about the architecture. It's like they were given a bunch of money and they said, let's just put concrete and lots of flashy lights because mm. that's what they took from modernization. But, you know, it's interesting. And I just want to finish off on this back to the Iranian women and the protesters. Yeah. To be clear, they're not asking for the abolishment of the hijab or anything like that. Nope. They are fine with people who are intensely religious to continue those traditions. Mm. They just want a choice. Great interview with this uh, uh, one of the protesters, the protester I mentioned, who just went, I found protests by just going out the door and looking for it. You yeah. Know, you know, follow the yelling. She's a fashion designer and she said, I actually really like wearing the hijab. Yeah. I like it. I think it's stylish and I can do a lot with it. It's just... It should be I a choice. I want to wear yeah. it, whereas there, I know there are people that have great hair and don't, right? And that really comes down to it. It's like as soon as you take away choice, that's where you get dissent. Yeah. But, again, it comes down to the fact that you have an exceptionally patriarchal, misogynist regime 100%. that is basically going, we control your lives. And, I mean – to be perfectly honest, we're watching the same sort of thing sort of coalescing in places like the United States I mean, States even, well. the, even the Saudi Arabs are letting their women drive. Drive, man. Like, <laughs> come on, Iran. Keep telling, guys. Trust that 50% of the population, they are smarter than you. We are ways. I think that's part of the problem. They're they're afraid of us. Oh, I'm not afraid of you at all. You take control. <laughs> I'm quite happy. It's what you do best. Okay, shut up. Oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> 